Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, and today we are blessed with the company of one of the nicest people I've ever met in this industry. <laughs> He's, he, Everybody knows him. I shouldn't have to introduce him, but I will. But before I do, I'm just going to say thank you, Alan Hess, is joining us again tonight as as Mr. Oh. Co-host He Shoots <laughs> to accompany my draws. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, with 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 applause <laughs> soup put on top as a sound effect, I give you Mr. Ant Pruitt. Hello, Ant. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Mr. Clayton. Hello, Mr. I... Hess. Oh, my oh, gosh. It's, it's, it's Alan. Wow. <laughs> it's funny, you can't you can't see what's going on here, but what worries me about Ant tonight is all I can see of him on screen is he's got a red shirt with a black collar and he looks like he's wearing a red Star Trek uniform <laughs> and we know what happens to the red shirts at the end of the episode. <laughs> Crap, I set myself up. <laughs> yeah. But no, Ant, thank you for joining us. It's been a long time coming and uh, uh, you know, when we it seems weird that like it was only yesterday we were around lisa carney's just having a chat at adobe max sat outside it does just seem like it was just uh, yesterday because i remember it quite vividly and it was just a that whole experience uh, it, it was a total thrill for me i mean you guys have no idea i didn't expect to meet you let alone did i expect to be at miss lisa carney's freaking house party <laughs> I know. like how in the hell did any of this happen to me you know <laughs> i think you underestimate yourself mate but but it's lovely i mean it's lovely that you're like that because there's so many people in the industry that we do meet when we go to these events who are kind of like walk into the foyer and because no one's looked at them they walk back and walk in again because <laughs> oh, they want that oh. they want the crowds to part but what i love what i'd love about everything about you that i see and watch and listen is you are just 100% genuine. That's what I, that's what yeah. I strive to do, my man. I, I just yeah. want to be me and what you see is what you get. I openly admit that I am not the most exciting, vibrant person in the world. I have a long, slow Southern drawl. I, I, I am oh, what I great. am. You know, it's just... You might love the English accent. I love your accent. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever funny. need bad news, I want you to give it to me. <laughs> You'll be Dave. Your, your house is gone. <laughs> Family's gone. <laughs> but you're doing great. <laughs> that was an awful accent, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah so obviously, you know, we, we wanted you to be on the show because I want our listeners to get not only to follow you and look at your content and listen yeah. to you and go on Twit TV, but I want them to sort of, if this is the first time they're they're discovering you, okay. I sort of want to go through who you are because, like a lot of our guests. Mm-hmm. The kind of that first meeting is only based around what we know of each other from the past year to 18 months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've known your name for, for ages. I've known Twit TV. I've, you know, I've seen your name in the industry. Mm-hmm. Our paths never crossed until that kind of Adobe Max was where, where even I was sat there like, oh man, that's not great. It's freaking Dave Clayton. <laughs> and I was like that when I met Alan Hess and I was in the elevator at Photoshop World and I was on my phone I got in it's like that's Alan Hess dude I remember when I because you the both of you were together when we first met 
And yeah, I, 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 I stopped right there and saw you. And then I just happened to look to my right, to your left. And Mr. Hess was standing there and I froze a second. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's, damn, that's Alan Hess. <laughs> yeah, so you got to understand, Dave knows everyone. They, yeah. Walking around with Dave is, yeah. is one of the most surreal experiences you can ever have because Dave knows everyone and everyone knows yeah. Dave. So right. we're walking around Max, and I, it was my second Max. Um, and it was last year, 2019. We're walking around Lake Event, and there's like a million people walking around, you know, and everyone's mm-hmm. excited. Everyone's doing all this stuff. And Dave gets stopped or stops people all the time. And I just tend to take one step back and listen and watch. Yeah, you and, were just sort of standing uh, there like nonchalant it, kind of thing. Because he's my security guard. Because you know? the, the weird part is, no one really knows what I look like. No one, you know, I, 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 I definitely have a face for radio, so I tend to stay away from things. Like, but I, it, that's not my. That's not really. I'm a photographer. Max was really for designers and video people and audio people. I really enjoyed it, but it's not right. really my right. people or the things I know. So, and I just remember standing there and I'm just watching Dave interact and everyone's really excited. And I kind of look over <laughs> to my left and this guy standing there and he's looking at me and I'm like, why is that guy looking at me? And he goes, Mr. Hess. And I'm suddenly like, well, my dad's here. What's, what's, what's going on? <laughs> like, Am I in court? Yeah, I'm like, Mr. Hess. I'm like, all right. Um, no, I can't it, help it. I, I, I get a lot of grief for that, for that greeting, if you will. But I, I can't help it. It's. I think it's, it's lovely. Nice. I think it's such a nice way. I call a lot of people Mister or Sir. <laughs> right. You know, I'm I'm right. always very very respectful of people that I meet right. because it's you know old school is if you think back to you know when you're at school and you're brought up to call your teachers Mister and Misses right. and like my wife worked in a bank and you never ever called anybody above you like in staff your manager right. by anything other than Mister Brown, Mister Jones, whatever. Right. And now it's like, hey Jeff, hey Brenda, oh, no. like, oh, message me and no, I, I, <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't do, I can't do it, and I and I feel the respect, but it's very weird when someone refers to me as Mister Hess because I know I'm fifty something, but I'm still <laughs> in my head like twenty two, going on fourteen, right. you know. In so in my head, I'm still, I'm a kid, I, you know. I'm, around my office there's toys i go to comic con i enjoy comic books i you know i i still think of myself as a child i don't feel grown up so when someone refers to mr hess it really just kind of throws my entire world into a little bit of a lopsided like what what oh wait i'm supposed to be an adult and wait a minute oh yeah i need to answer now (laughs) (laughs) i had my first uh what i call senior moment was uh well two actually two actually in recent years Mm -hmm. one one was um, we went to a concert and it was not long after the uh, concert in England. Uh, what's the lady's name? The one where the bomb went off in Manchester. Oh, Ariana Grande. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, Ariana Grande. Ooh. So subsequently, going to venues, there was a lot of security. Right. So I went to the O2 in London um, with to see the script and... Uh, it's a massive queue because you've got to go through security. Of and course. I had a limp as well. I'd, I'd pulled the muscle in the back of my calf so I could barely walk anyway. So um, <laughs> everyone's going through and they stand up in security and they put their arm out and they pat their jacket, they pat their legs, check their bag, go through. So I'm like, okay, get ready. I get I get to the front. The guy just goes, oh, you can go through, sir. <laughs> oh. I was like, I, I, I posed no threat because yeah. I was limping. That old cold. guy, nah. and then, 
Worse and then, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he can go through. He's he's harming nobody. Um, and then the second one was I went to uh, Adobe Max last year. I stayed at Allen's, yeah. and on the last day at Allen's, I went to a thing called Pop Up Crop, mm-hmm. uh, run by uh, Matt from Stay Grade Pony Boy. Right. And uh, I went. We all broke up for lunch, and as I was walking outside, there was a young lady called Lauren Griffin, who's a designer, and we we didn't know the area, so we were looking for somewhere to eat. So we went and found this Mexican place, and we sat in there, and we were, we were eating, and we had to get back because she was doing a talk, and I was talking to her about the can you justs, like the the three words you hate as a creative oh gosh, when you've done something is when people go can you just because it means I'm not paying you for this exactly. and you're going to do it quickly. <laughs> so we had this whole conversation about different scenarios. So anyway, great chat, love, really talented designer. We got back and she was doing her talk and she was doing a live sketching. So while she was doing that, I was talking to um, another designer I wanted to speak to, Brian Steely. And unbeknown to me she starts talking about the conversation we had as a designer but when I was told that she spoke about me she said it goes oh did you hear her talk about you and I went no she goes yeah she said um so I went to the I went out at lunchtime and I was speaking to this uh gentleman (laughs) about I wasn't Dave I wasn't like this designer I was just a gentleman (laughs) and I was like oh I feel so old (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever want so, to be called that. <laughs> no, it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing to be called. Anyway, anyway, <clears throat> let's that's enough about us. Let's talk about you. Right, sure. so and give me the tw- the first twenty years of your life. Who did you want to be? Mm. What was your given you're in your forties, I'm guessing? Yes, I'm in my forties. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the first half of your life you've you've had some technology but what what were your formative years who did you want to be like in that question who do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up what what was that like for you then well growing up where i grew up in the south um for me it was more about the the world of sports and athletics so i I was always playing football basketball running track so i'm just thinking do everything that I can do to excel in my athletics, keep my grades up, go to college, and hopefully be a pro athlete one day, you know, because that's what all the kids think they're going to do. And clearly, that didn't work out. But <laughs> <laughs> but along the way, I, I always had the, the tinkering bone inside of me. I, I enjoyed taking things apart and attempting to put them back together. I say attempting because they didn't always go back together. Um and I also enjoy just arts and music. So I spent a lot of time just, just sort of alone. If I wasn't training, I was alone just tinkering around with things and, and listening to music or drawing and sculpting. And I just, I just love that, that side of, of the world, the art side, the creative side. And I didn't realize how much I loved it until I got older because I found myself wanting to do that stuff more and more and more in my downtime instead of going to the bars and and hanging out with people and just wasting time. I'd rather be sketching on something or, you know, or just, or trying to take a photo or something. So would you say you were following more of a design path or, because I, I would see you as a photographer. I think of you as a photographer Mm -hmm. who's a tech expert. Mm -hmm. So where did the camera come into it? What was, 
what kind of made you think well this is the you know creativity is such a wide thing mm -hmm. photography is such a specific what made you pick up the camera what was that introduction for you it was um my mother used to have this old kodak 110 camera do you do y'all remember those oh, they yeah. were like candy bars yeah and yeah. She used to have one of those things, and I thought that was just the most awesome camera for whatever reason. It clearly wasn't, but I just thought it was so it awesome. It was then. <laughs> and, like, the, the following summer, my grandmother got this Nikon, uh, what was it? I can't remember, but it was like a point-and-shoot film camera. And it, it was light years ahead of that Kodak 110, and I broke it. <laughs> because <laughs> I broke it because I was curious one day I picked it up and was trying to figure out what happens when I wind a film and this and that and thinking, oh, I can fix it and put it back together. And I knew, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. Um, so it just sort of stuck with me to try to figure out how is this thing working? You know, what's happening when, when you click that shutter and, and, and what's happening with the film and things like that. I never got to develop film. But I was curious about it. And ever since then, I always sort of had my eye on photography, whether it's with one of those 110s from Kodak or a disposable camera or the, later on, I had a Sony PowerShot, CyberShot. They're for, they're oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've one point and shoots and it just it just stuck. I don't know why, but it just it just stuck. It felt good to be able to look through the viewfinder and just capture a couple of memories here and there. And I didn't do Photoshop and uh, post-processing or anything like that because I didn't have the equipment for it, but I just wanted to shoot and print it out and just store it in memory somewhere, and it just just stuck with me, you know, and then when phones came out, um, I got my hands on the Droid X. Yeah, that was my first Android phone, and that thing was just revolutionary to me because it had, I think it had a, a 18 megapixel camera, and it shot 720p video. And this is back when apps were starting to really take off. So everybody was designing apps and there was all types of camera apps. And I started walking around the office that I used to work at for my smoke break, because I don't smoke cigarettes, <laughs> but I took, yeah. took the break. And I yeah, would just start taking right. photographs. And I was like, man, this this camera is really, really nice. And it just, it just further showed me man you really like shooting so i would shoot something pretty much every day with that smartphone <laughs> <laughs> but did you ever think when you were doing it okay this could be a career i could make money from this or were you always in the mindset of this is a great hobby originally it was all hobby for me because at the time i was a it service desk manager and I, I, was, I was married, had two kids at the time, and thinking, you know what, Ish, these photographies, it's not going to pay any bills for me. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not a, a Glenn Dewis or Alan Hess. You know, it's, I'm just not, you know. <laughs> so I just sort of did it as a hobby. And later on in, in years, I decided to just, you know, take it a little bit more seriously because my little small circle of friends would constantly ask me about, photography 
you know, how did you do this? Or how would you do that? What camera should I buy? In addition to asking me questions about the new laptop that they want to get and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you become, you become that guy. <laughs> yeah, and man, I hated being tech support for family and friends. I hated it so much. And my dad was the worst customer ever. God rest his soul. But man, that dude, his computer was never, ever running. And it was always me trying to help him get it fixed remotely because he lived two hours away and I was like man I, I do not want to do IT stuff for the rest of my life so I just you know kept plugging away at the creative side of things and still trying to balance life with the IT side to keep the bills paid and just you know try to build my brand you know so yeah probably about 10 years ago it was right around 10 years ago when I said okay I'm going to get serious about this and I just went for yeah. it yeah and that's such a big jump for so many because, like, obviously, you, Alan, you—it's your career. Oh, I, I am—I am the IT part of it because I actually went to school and got a degree in computer science. That was my college thing: computer science, right. computer science, and English. I—I I couldn't. I, I would burn out on one, and then I'd go over to the English department. I'd hang out there and get take classes. And by the time I was done, my seven years of college—I'm not a doctor. I just spent way too long <laughs> in college. I ended up with a degree in computer science and English. And so I do tech support now, privately as as a lot of clients. Of course, my parents and my mom has passed away, but my dad is still my mm. probably my regular customer. So when you're talking about that, I, and he he lives. <laughs> two miles away from us but with not you know with this whole social thing i still get phone calls now where i honestly i i kid you not i have to have him hold the zoom on his cell phone up so that i can see what's going on his computer screen (laughs) and the conversations go no dad the word on the top where it says finder can you click on finder no just finder Please click, you know, and, and so that, that whole IT thing, man, as you were talking about that, that just like both shivers up my spine and, you know, like, but it's, oh, it's, gosh. you know, the, the tech side of it is I, I get so geeked out about new technology. I just, when something comes uh-huh. out, it's like, I, I'm one of those guys I used to read, um, you know, every blog post back in the day when you could read every blog yeah. post in the day, all the tech yeah. stuff. Um, I know jumping a little bit around, but when I first started hearing Leo Laporte on the radio from uh, KFI in LA, it was, it used mm-hmm. to come through. I used to work in Oceanside and I ran a manufacturing company. And on Sundays, I'd go in and fix stuff because that was the one day we weren't running. And I'd have to go in and work on the mm-hmm. machinery alone. And I would have, you know, this Leo Laporte dude who I'd never heard of before explaining mm-hmm. tech for like four hours i was in like mm-hmm. heaven you know to find out this whole world of <clears throat> online tech stuff and, um, and he's still doing it <laughs> i know I, and i and i still listen to him i he might have changed stations but i still you know that's still the twit network and um mm-hmm. i mean you're a part of the twit network and, and yes i am and that proudly that, a part of it. yeah <laughs> um but it's just the whole uh, what did you go to college for because huh. this is a funny story <laughs> <laughs> we like well, stories you know <laughs> you know please, well please do tell well see again i was i was a, an athlete and i um went to college to play football at this small school in north carolina uh near charlotte north carolina and my original major was sports medicine because in addition to the arts and things like that i've always been fascinated with the human body and i absolutely loved it but my grades weren't good enough. I was a B student and I didn't think I was going to be able to excel making B's and get a job and things like that. At least that was my mindset then. 
And when I wanted to change majors, some just personal problems just started happening there with the school and outside of school. And I ended up having to quit school because it was just just not working for me. And I decided to go back to school several years later. Um, it was sometime in the mid 2000s and I went online and I changed my major to information technology. And I got a bachelor's degree in IT. And the only reason I did that was because one day I was pumping gas and I, I saw this lady across from me on a cell phone. And I was like, huh, that's a computer. And I looked at the convenience store and I saw the clerk running the register and trying to run the, the gas pumps outside, just, you know, hitting switches and things. And I was like, hmm, that's another computer. That's a network. And where the gas station was located was right next to the Charlotte airport. An airplane flew right over my head. And I'm thinking that airplane is talking to the airport and they're 3,000 feet in the air. And I'm like, that's a network. I need to get in on this computer stuff because I want a piece of that pie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I, I went I went home and I told the missus, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get an IT. And that's what I did. Fair play to you. Because it's... There's so many people who, like we were talking to Teresa Jackson mm -hmm. uh, for the episode that's out at the moment as we record that this. That was a good one. And okay. Yeah, she's saying like she's going to go back to school and she's going to learn a new thing. I think that's the something that we've we kind of have to learn. She stepped it up. And she's going MBA. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be MVP. It's like man, but. We have to. I th I personally think we have. What one of the big things of learning is is learning how. And it's going to sound really cheesy. Is learning how to learn. Yeah. Learning to know when we need to take a, a new step in our learning process mm -hmm. if we want to be better. Because you can speak to a lot of experts who ten years ago were experts. Now they're just ten years on but only know what they knew 10 years ago, right. but still claim to be experts. Right. So they still, they try and drag you back because they don't want to go forward. Right. And I think now with the world of technology, like you said, we just look around us and, you know, look at us tonight. We're, we're chatting on Skype. You're, you two are right. the other side of the world. Right. It's, it, we're, we're conversing, we're recording, we'll be dropboxing right. and, you know, all this stuff. It's just te technology is just here now. And I think, getting in when you got in was fantastic because what you know what a career you could carve for yourself in this world you know and it's not going anywhere and the thing is it, it was a it was a little difficult for me because yes i'm interested in tinkering and breaking things but again that art side of me still wanted to come through so i couldn't put as much energy into tech things like i probably should have in the beginning because you know i still wanted to go shoot but it still worked out. The company that I used to work for, um, that I worked for pretty much most of my professional career, worked for them for 16 years. Um, but I did the IT side, IT side of things for like 10. And when I, when they brought me in to offer me the IT position because I just applied for it, they said, well, we hear you're going to school. You should try to join our IT department. And I said, Sure. Thanks. Didn't know squat at the time, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this shit and I'm going to learn it and just, you know, work at it. And that's all I did and just kept running the service desk. And I don't know how you feel, Alan, but I think on the IT side of things, as far as the career path, I think 
everybody should touch the service desk at oh. whatever company they go to. You know, everybody should touch it. I don't care if you're a developer. I don't care if you're a network engineer. I think everybody should go to the service desk and spend at least 30 days just getting a feel of the phone calls that are coming in from the from the, the clients or from the um, users in-house or the remote users. And you get to see what, you know, how everything is really working and the type of questions that people are asking. And it's just, I think it's only going to help you at the next step if you're a network engineer, if you're a developer, just, just to see what people are asking and things like that. And uh, I was, I hated, <laughs> I hated it a lot of days. Um, I'm not a management person. Um, actually, I am a management person. I just don't like being a management person. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for running my team because uh, I just wanted to do the work. So that was, that was hard for me. But at the same time, it allowed me to plant the seeds of these people that are getting right out of college or just changing jobs and say, Hey, I'm going to make you be, be the best over here, period. And within two years, if you're still sitting here, just happy to be sitting at this desk next to me, I'm going to have a problem with it, you know? And I challenged them and every single one of them, I said, look, you should, by two years, you should be ready to get away from me and move on to something bigger than better than just sitting at the service desk and it worked out just about every single one of them they moved on to bigger and better things either within the company or at another company and i'm thinking all right i did my part i did my job just to try to help build them up so they can grasp on with all the aspects of technology not just one particular thing that's a great manager <laughs> right there. Right. And I think that people miss that, but I think you should do that in just about any industry you're in, not knowing who your user is at, yeah. the, at, the, at the lowest, not the lowest end, at the end of the chain, not knowing right. who that is or what they need or how they do it is why we end up with certain pieces of technology that only an engineer you know, understands or wants to use. Um, Mm -hmm. I was, I, mine was a little different. I never worked in IT for a company, but I did work in IT for my college. When I was going to school in Oregon, I got offered a job doing Oracle programming for the school. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, they were redoing their, uh, it was, well, I, I, I really thought I, I was really, so my goal in life was to go work for Microsoft. I actually wanted to go work for the evil empire and live up in, in yeah. Washington and code all day long. And that was like my dream at the time. So I got yeah, to work. You are special. Uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called that a lot. You know? But I, I had to go sit in on meetings about what people wanted the Oracle forms to do and how the registration was supposed to go. And I have never in my life been so, I, I it was like, oh my God, you people have no idea what, we're actually trying to do here or, or mm -hmm. so it really it taught me you know that a the communication needs to be better between all the different departments it also taught me that the user expectations need to be managed and i think that's key as a photographer as a designer as a video person everything right now that i do the very first thing i do is try to manage those expectations <laughs> they're mm -hmm. expecting put it on paper right, put it on yeah. paper you know they're, they're <laughs> expecting me to produce something that's you know oh we want to you know we want to we want a group shot of 700 people we're going to do it in this darkened stairwell you know that holds 40 um, you'll you'll figure it out. You know, it's like okay, we we <laughs> oh, need to yeah, we, we need to have a discussion about you know physics and <laughs> you know, 
the weight bearing of the of the walls and all kinds of you know things like that. Um, but the the overall end, I think it made me a better writer. I think it made me an actual better photographer. And it definitely, when people hire me to do stuff now, the first conversation isn't, you know, what do you want me to do? The first stuff is let's discuss how you want the end product to be. What do we need to get there? How do we need to do it? As opposed to just like, go take a picture for us kind of thing. It's problem yeah. solving where everyone needs to problem solving. I speak to like now when I speak to young creatives, and young designers and as a person of my age like i've said you know when i left school at 16 years old that there was not even a conceivable idea that i could be freelance mm. or i could work for myself or work from a there were no computers anyway and the, the transistor radio was just <laughs> technology for me and am radio my paper round but you it, string, it was inconceivable and can? is that what you mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so <laughs> a slinky was technology to me wow look at it go down the stairs like that that's amazing um but yeah i say to young creatives now that look you come out of school you've got every piece of technology available to you the second you like fall out of the womb you know you're born into a world of technology you go to school you see all these people making it all these entrepreneurs all these gary v's all these big you know names throwing at you live the dream live the dream be freelancer mm -hmm. and and then when they do it all of a sudden it's not the dream it's not the the like they've got a dream too early they they want to achieve a dream too early so i just say okay look if your mindset is you can do this on your own okay you want to be a designer say for a designer mm -hmm. you want to be a designer you want to do this on your own. You've got absolute confidence at 18, 19 that you can make a business of yourself. Yep. So do you know what? Pin that, okay? You've got that nailed. Go and get a job. Mm -hmm. Go and spend six months or a year working in a company that's as closely related to you as possible or maybe the kind of customer you'd like to, to have as your client mm -hmm. and just go and do six months and learn how a company runs learn how departments communicate and how learn office politics get a bollock in you know do things <laughs> wrong make mistakes because it's not just it's not just a life lesson in you know working around other people but i said the important thing is is when you then are dealing with other companies you understand the process they've got to go through you're speaking to jenny um it, who's marketing manager but it's, it's brenda from accounts that's going to decide who who spends what or it's jeff in it that's going to know what the so you if you don't know all those pieces you can't live that dream nope. you can't come straight out of school and be uh, you know a straight off hit every single mm -hmm. thing 10 out of 10 you need the experience customers customer support sales i mean i i'm a i'm a born designer mm -hmm. But I never hit a design job until I was in my 30s. Right, right. I did engineering. I did quarry sales. I was selling big machines to rock companies. Like, as in, not when I said I was in the rock industry, <laughs> I was, I was in the. I basically was Fred Flintstone for about ten years of my career. But I learned so much that I don't know that I ever had a dream job. But I knew I, I knew I'd end up in a role that suited the, all the best of my abilities mm -hmm. it just takes a lot of hard work and different routes to get where you want to be and like you said you know you you're a sports you started off being a sportsman 
but now you are one of the most well-respected people in the industry <laughs> that we know of that you know in all right in my bubble maybe but you are well respected you've earned your stripes there I like so the thing that I have, um, and, and, yeah, it's, and it's taken yeah. a lot of work, you know, it, it, I did have support and that's, a, that's something that a lot of people getting started in this field is they either have unbelievable expectations mm. or they don't have any type of support system because the creative world can be so daggum lonely. Um, lots of hours just staring at a screen, lots of hours staring at a tablet, lots of hours walking with your camera or what have you. Um, and emotionally and mentally, that's that's a lot of work on somebody, on any person. And so you're going to need a support system of family or friends that's going to be able to uh, lift you up if you need it. Or in some instances, uh, for me in particular, kick me in the ass and say, you know what, you're full of shit. You need to do better, you know, and, and that's what you need. Um, instead of just nothing against the likes of the Gary V's and all of these other air quotes influences out there. Um, they tend to push people and say, you got to work, 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 work. Don't sleep. Um, I don't believe that you do work really hard, but there's also the mental side of it and the personal wellness side of it that, has to be in that mix as well. You know, it, it push and push and push, but every now and then you need to sit down and take a mental break and just shut things down and you'll be much yeah. better at it. Yeah, and it is conflicting information. Sorry, Alan. Yeah, <clears throat> one of the things with like those, a lot of youngsters I see are like, you know, I get up in the morning, I have my cup of coffee, I listen to, insert name of influencer here, mm -hmm. And I said, it's su such conflicting because, like you say, you've got one. All right, Gary V's worked really hard. He, he started a long time ago. He's pushed and pushed and pushed. Mm -hmm. He's become the man he is today. He is very influential. So he's like, you know, sometimes it's been like work, work, work 24 7. If you're sleeping, you're weak and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then you've got Tim Ferriss going, yeah, you need to work four hours a day. That's right. So if you've got all this information coming at you, is how on earth do you even, you, know, you need to, you need to work out who you are. Like you say, your support structure, your, what are you, you know, what are all the things you can do today to function rather than what are all the things you want to be that you're only going to be in six months or 12 months, but you expect the instant success. Right. That's where the anxiety, that's where mental health comes in. And I, I think it's sad that that happens to a lot of people. Now and see, I have, because I have an advantage in this because being in the IT world for all of those years, I learned procedure protocol, you know, um, IT is very black and white. There is no freaking gray area. That thing is either on or it's off, <laughs> you know? And when it's off, you need to figure out why it's off and it's procedural and the steps in that process. So everything that I do in a day, um, you know, people talk about making lists and so forth. Here's, here's uh, my list for today. And it's very, very short. It's not a lot on there because I know... I can't do those other two things until that one thing is done. So I'm not going to make a list of 20 things. Just make a list of three. And I'm, yeah. I've already given myself a little bit of a mental break and not giving myself a whole lot of pressure. Just say, hey, knock out that first thing, period. Just follow the procedure. Don't give yourself a lot of 
unnecessary stress for no reason and just trying to do it for the gram. You know, you got to you got to know you and know your know how you operate, you know. Yeah, you got to do it for you and not for the not for the effect. Oh, dude, look look at look at what a lockdown has caused panic wise in people who are not used to working at home. I mean, you know, it, it for me, it, the change between, you know, we're in the middle of a, of a for, for future generations who listen to this when they dig it out of some kind of archive, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. We've been at home. It's now July 2nd when we're recording this. Right. Um, and we've been in pandemic since Mar- middle of March. I've been working at home. Right. All the things have been closed. So for me, right. it was one day I went from, 10,000 people at a concert on a Friday. I traveled to LA on a Saturday for for a friend's thing. We came home. I had another big show on the Monday. And on Wednesday, the world came to an end. We just stopped. Just stopped. And everything got Mm -hmm. shut down. And my life didn't change at all, except for the fact that I had nowhere to go in the evenings to shoot any more concerts. I was still working on a project. I was still in my office all day. Everyone was suddenly like, oh, I've got all this free time. I'm home. I'm like, I don't. My... My, my world stayed exactly the same. Now, my wife started working from home. Mm-hmm. And two things about it were really stunning. A, that the technology was already in place for most, and she works for a college, for most things to suddenly go online with an amazingly small drop of content. People suddenly switched over to online mm-hmm. instead of in person, which on a technological technological side is stunning. We Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. The other part of it was about a month in, people started losing their minds because they were stuck at home. Yeah. Because they had it's never... That mental health. It's that mental health. They, they didn't have the right support in place. They were used to going to an office. They were used to having everyone around them. They were used to going out and doing stuff. When they were sitting at home, I was like, no, this is how it's always been for the last 15 years. And people are looking like, how do you stand it? I'm like, because... My, my, my wife is fantastic. She's it's my just support. regular days. It's a regular days. It's this is, the, and it took me a while to get there, but this is kind of how my life is and how the support works and how things are going on. And I'm used to having those long days where I'm sitting and working on something all by myself, sitting and working on a book project, especially one of those days where my entire goal is to, you know, finish this chapter and I get to the end of the day and it's not done. I'm like, can't beat myself up, have to stop, start over in the next morning. And yeah. knowing the procedures and knowing a list of five things for the day or three things to do in the day, that's brilliant. I mean, if anyone takes anything away from this, don't make a list of 40 things. Make three. No, don't. And, and when you're done with those yeah. three, you can make another list of three. And my wife does it all that's the time. Right. She does lists of three. She does, I want to get these three things done today. And then when she yeah, my number one on my to do list is always make a new to do list. <laughs> what? what am I not surprised? What? Yeah. What's what's how's life life in lockdown become for you then, Ant? What what changes have you had to make? Given that you do work from home anyway, it has affected everyone. How's it affected your routine and and your responsibilities? Uh, again, I've been very fortunate with this because similar to to Mr. Hess, I've been doing this for so many years. Um, when I was managing at IT service desk, um, I was on the road a lot because I had a team in Florida at the time, so I was going back and forth between Florida and the Carolinas pretty regularly. And then when I decided I didn't want to do the management stuff anymore, they moved me up to an upper tier support, uh, tier two, tier three support. And that meant I needed to stay home and work from home. So I just stared at code all day long. And my family was used to me being at home all day long, working and staring at code. I had a little office, 
they did their thing and walked by and nobody came in unless they absolutely needed something. Um, we had a group chat and, you know, if something needs to be communicated, that's how we communicate. It was through that group chat during working hours, if you will. And then when this happened here, now my boys are older. Um, they're used to my workflow. It was a little different for the missus trying to get her to figure out a workflow because she was furloughed. Um, so they were sort of uh, going at each other. Uh, again, that whole mental health thing is just like, all right, I've seen enough of you today. I'm only used to seeing you so many hours in a day. You know, <laughs> I love your mom, but wait a minute. Didn't I just yeah. see you five minutes ago? <laughs> you know, so it was, a, it was a challenge on that standpoint and getting the boys to understand, okay, this is school for now. So I had to tell them, uh, get up. You're going to get dressed every day, just as you would if you were going to school. You're yeah. not going to have school in your room. You're going to go out here to the dining area or to the living room or whatever and open up a laptop, do your thing. And when you're done, then you can shut it down and go about your day. But I need you to understand the motion of getting up and being productive. So it's just going to help you for 10 years from now where this is probably going to be the norm. Heck, even five years from mm. now, it's probably going to be the norm where offices are not going to be as big. Um, everybody's going to be doing things remotely, you know? So that was the only challenge outside of that. It's been pretty easy for me other than moving my studio around and trying to configure it to be a little bit better. <laughs> was, was there any restrictions on any kind of work? Cause so uh, yesterday I did an interview, no, sorry, Monday mm -hmm. of this week that we're recording. I interviewed a really good friend, the guy who's the, you're welcome to he shoots he draws the the guy of the, the intro voice. david mcclellan voice. the voice <laughs> and and david is a broadcaster journalist and he's he's a tech guy mm -hmm. and he was saying you know he, he has to travel and go to events and different things he go you know does work for television mm -hmm. and and he was saying kind of his he felt his world had fallen apart in that instant yeah because he's all of a sudden he's wow, I'm supposed to go and do all these things. Right. But he said very quickly, people wanted to say, oh, Zoom's dangerous. Okay, David, you're our tech guy. Um, tell us why we should be scared of Zoom. And he joked, he said, when I'm on TV, I'm like, I'm the guy that has to come in when something bad's happened mm -hmm. and then tell everyone why, it's, why it is bad or why it isn't bad. Mm -hmm. And he said, but he had to work from home. He's got a young family. Mm -hmm. And he's built a studio now. And he said, because of his technical ability, because of the, the world of tech he's been around, mm -hmm. he said, oh, I'm lucky. I, I built my studio up really quickly. Right. And because I was prepared and ready to go, right. I had every news channel and outlet knowing they could contact me because I had the broadcast audio, mm -hmm. I had the Wi-Fi, I had everything. Mm -hmm. He said, so now I'm, I'm not going anywhere, so I get to spend time with my kids. But he said, I'm just constantly busy. So he said, and I feel guilty that I'm doing well out of this when so many other people have been furloughed. And I said, well, no, you shouldn't. No, I, because no, I don't feel guilty. You're prepared. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, we've got to find a way around this, and we've all got to provide for families. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're lucky you're in a world where you could think problem-solving. What do I need to do to get through this? Rather was... than go, oh, that's it. I've lost everything. <laughs> and see, and that was part of my thinking too, as I've been trying to build my own personal brand this last 10 years or so, I was slowly putting together, you know, workstations that I could sit down and edit video and edit photos and have a decent webcam and add another camera here and add lighting and things like that. And I did it 
piece by piece, brick by brick over time. And, you know, even before moving out here to California, I had a pretty much a whole studio set up. You know, I had mixers and extra mics and all of that stuff. And I could just broadcast if I needed to air quotes broadcast. And when all of this happened here, um, with this pandemic, I thought about it. I said, you know what, uh, this is going to be okay because I'm used to creating content in my own four walls. You know, we didn't have to shut down our studio. Um, but our leadership was like, you know what, let's just take it safe. You know, I, I, we love y'all. We want you all to be healthy, whatever you need, let us know. We'll make it to where you can create content as easily as possible within your own domain. And they did. I didn't need much. Heck, I really didn't need anything. Um, <laughs> so, so I just said, you were like, what do you guys need? Right. I mean, I've got <laughs> yeah, you know, my boss, my boss, Mr. Laporte, he's been ordering stuff left and right because he's building out his home studio, you know, and I'm thinking you would have already had that, but you know, he had a, quite a bit of things, but he didn't have everything he needed Where me on the other hand, I was pretty much ready to go. And it's just been, huh, cool. I'm prepared. I'm thankful for those last 10 years, you know? So, yeah. So how did that, ha- how did that whole, um, twit Leo Laporte move from, how, how did, you know, cause honestly, I, I've been listening to the guy for years and that's kind of like, you know, as a tech guy, you're like, I, I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to be him. You know, he's, you yeah. know, I, I, except yeah. for when the exercise ball exploded. Other than that, that was, oh, the, oh, you remember that? oh yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is in the annals of, of history of, 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 um, he was on a, he was on a, Dave, if you don't know this, Leo Laporte was broadcasting his show and he was sitting not on a chair like we are, but he was sitting on one of those, uh, yoga exercise balls yeah. and it, deflated uh rapidly while he was sitting on it and he just disappeared right off the little webcam that has gone yeah it exploded um <laughs> and it was just it's one of those things that always stuck in my head but it, it's an amazing story you you packed up your family and moved across mm-hmm. the country yeah recently it, it, i mean it's in the it's last crazy yes it, it'll be a year on um september wow. september one will be a year um but it all started with just again, freelancing and trying to get in the technology side as well as the creative side of things. I started writing for a blog started by Gina Smith and John C. Dvorak many years ago. Um, I don't even know how they found me. Oh, I know how, because I saw their blog. They, they posted a story on something and I commented on the story and went on about my business. And another post came up another day and it got my attention and I commented on that again. And eventually I got an email from Gina and she says, you know what? I did. I like what you're saying here. Yada, yada, yada. Would you like to write for us? Of course, I thought it was a joke way, you know, <laughs> but I kept, I kept reading that site because I liked the site and they kept reaching out to me and found out it was real. So I started writing there and that led to other freelance projects. Um, I even did some content for HTC um, because they were trying to reach reach a different crowd. And that was a lot of fun. And that led to writing for Tech Republic, which is a CBS interactive property. Yeah. And Tech Republic pretty much just really was like when I really started to see the trajectory in my creative career because I was able to talk IT but they knew I loved photography and, and creativity. So they said, well, if you want to focus more on that side of things, focus on it. 
you know, because I have a couple articles out there about SQL and, and other bull crap that I do not miss. Right. <laughs> but my, the stuff that I love the most is when I had the conversations about the latest Adobe product uh, or, or the, the Canon EOS RP that everybody hated when it came out. And, you know, and that was one of my that article was probably one of my most favorite ones to write because I wrote it and said, look, that that camera is not for everybody. And it's OK, because I was so sick of all of the people bashing it and bitching about it doesn't have this feature and doesn't have that feature and they're totally missing the point that canon wasn't making that camera for them it was making it for the other person you know so and being a part of tech republic twit has tech republic writers on their shows throughout the week pretty regularly and of course i was in the queue and it's like oh who's this aunt pruitt guy and the first thing that they asked me to appear on was talking about drone photography because uh, I wrote a tutorial about that on Tech Republic. And ever since then, Twit has just been very, very kind to me and said that they really enjoyed having me on. And um, it's like, so, yeah, we've, we've, we'll reach out to have your own segments, you know, in the future. But I believe it was year before last they had wanted to hire me on. <laughs> to to be full time but they didn't reach out because they said I was going to turn it down because Clemson football and they know how I am about my my college football <laughs> and the thing is they were 100% right I wasn't ready I wasn't ready and so they reached out the following year and I was like yeah this is the time because like I said about 10 years ago I started taking this stuff more seriously and I had already said about 10 years ago to my family here in the house, my mother, my stepmother, I said, you know, I am on a mission to get the hell out of the Carolinas. I don't want to be in the South. And my goal is to end up in California or end up in Seattle. And I said, I'd like to yeah. work for somewhere like CNET. I'd like to work for somewhere like Twit. I mean, I, I was very specific on it. And I told my family and my family thought I was nuts, but they said, okay, we know how you are and you're not going to hold back on any of this stuff. Sorry. My mic levels went high. Sorry about that. Um, That's right. So I put it on paper and I just stuck to it and mapped out the plan. And of course, every plan is going to have hiccups. And so you need to have some contingency and things like that. And we did, you know, the missus had some things that popped up that sort of slowed us down, but, I still said in 10 years, I'd like to be on the West coast and damn it, 10 years showed up and the phone call came in. Wow. How ironic that, that we had the interview with, with Teresa and it's that 10 year cycle that it just goes to show that it's worth putting in that much time and effort mm -hmm. in, into the thing that's your focus because it's achievable and it's also about timing mm -hmm. and opportunity and, and life situations. Mm -hmm. Like you say, wasn't right a year ago but a year on everything's fallen into place mm -hmm. you know i wanted uh, to a be lot in, to be said for patience I, I wanted it to be a position where when i made that move my kids were just a little bit older um because i didn't want to have to worry about them you know because mm -hmm. they're dealing with friendships and things like that at a young age and that's that's how you sort of mold yourself into the adult is those relationships you make early and start to learn the type of people you like to hang around and the types of people you don't particularly want to hang around is building your character and all of that. And 
I said that year is just not going to work. But this year it was much better because my youngest boy was transitioning out of the school that he was in and getting ready to go to another brand new school. So it was just going to be a perfect flip of having a air quotes new life, if you will. Yeah. And my middle boy was getting ready to be a junior in high school at the time. So he's already mature enough and can take on the extra transitional changes. And our oldest boy is in the U S army. So he's already out the picture. So this, this is time, you know? So how old are your boys then? If you don't mind. Um, you know what? I've been asked that question all their lives, and I never know. Um, <laughs> the boy is, one's young, one's slightly older, and the other one's older than the other my, two. I'm, I'm going to take a flyer here. My oldest boy is in the U.S. Army. I believe he's 22, I think. Something like that. My other boy, the middle boy, he's a rising senior, so I think he's 16. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And my youngest boy is a rising freshman in high school, and I believe he's 14. Sounds about right. Okay. So in that area, I don't know. All I know is they're they're still not quite old enough for me to kick them out the house. So, you know, and I still have yeah. to keep feeding them, and I still have to legally yeah. provide shelter for them. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've got a 22-year-old and a 24-year-old oh. who live at home. Okay. Um, and the daughter, my two daughters are 10 and 12. So there's the 11 year gap between them. And then there's only 16 months between each of them oh, as a pair. Oh my Lord. So, Bless your heart. Yeah, so <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and it is funny because, you know, they all live at home and the, it's for the girls the girls want the boys' bedrooms. Uh, so they keep going, so when you move out, right, 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 you, right. you know when you move out, when, when will that be again? Did you, say, did you mention? <laughs> Because um, I want your room. <laughs> now here, I've been planting but, the seeds with my boys all along. Was hey, yeah, all of y'all got to go. There's not not going to be staying around. <laughs> That's it. And how have they coped with the move? Have have you kind of you settled in now? Oh, you, man. Do you feel like you're at your home now? It's been absolutely just just the best experience. Considering all of the crap that's happened, um, my boys have thrived. You know, the missus, she's had some struggles here and there, but she has definitely bounced back. It took a little while because she left all of her friends back in the Carolinas. Me, on the other hand, I'm an introvert. You know, it was no big deal for me, but she's bounced back and everything is going so much better for her and the boys. The only thing is when we came out here to timing, talk about timing, she's the first month there was a wildfire. And oh, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I've heard about these wildfires in, in California. Oh yeah, you know, I'm thinking, no big deal. I'm used to tornadoes, oh, I'm used no, to no, hurricanes. No. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. That just destroys stuff. And that wildfire was knocked out pretty efficiently. But then the next month was another wildfire, the Kincaid. That was the one that was talked about all around the world. Yeah. And shit got real when this random neighbor comes up and knocks on the door and says, Hey, there's a fire coming. Um, we just wanted to let you know, we know you're all a new, but might want to take this seriously. Get yourself a go bag. I'm like a go bag. What is a go bag? And when she told me what a go bag was, I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is real. And that stuck with me a little bit, but when it really stuck with me, I had a friend from LA visiting the area and she wanted to do sunrise photography. So we went up to 
Petaluma Mountain or Sonoma oh. Mountain. I can't remember what it's called. And we did sunrise photography. And as I'm lining up my shot, it was just this beautiful glow out in the distance on the horizon. But the sun was camera left. And it hit me. Hi. Oh, shit. The sun is camera left, but it looks like the sun is directly in, in front of me in the horizon. That's how bad that fire was off in the distance. And it just. Was that the one November around the yes, yeah. Max? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, it just, that um, was no joke. Wow. You walk outside and it was smoky as if you're just walking through fog. Um, yeah, that was that was surreal. So we struggled with that as new Californians. <laughs> we didn't know anything <laughs> about this wildfire crap and getting water and making sure you have a go bag. And that was just wait till your yeah, first dude. earthquake. There was an earthquake. <laughs> that was another thing. There was an earthquake that happened in the middle of the night. It shook the house for, you know, it was only maybe six or seven seconds. But a lifetime. Feeling that first feeling that first earthquake is like, um, wait a minute, the ground moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think it's gonna be some glasses on a table. I mean I've never we we have had a couple in England mm-hmm. and I do remember one that it just felt like someone was stood at the end of my bed just shaking yeah. it like that. Like, minute, and I woke I... up thinking, What's that? <laughs> That was weird. Went back to sleep. Never thought it'd be an earthquake. Oh, man. I just thought it was maybe a weird dream I was having. And then it was like, we've had an earthquake. But like what you guys have to go through. Oh, so man. yeah, you've had two, two, two fires, fires an earthquake. An earthquake. Nothing else since January though, surely. happens. And then there's some rumor about a, a virus or something. Yeah. Wasn't it a virus? Yeah. Oh, it's a virus. <laughs> so, so you'll never forget your first year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my it's been an and again it's been an unbelievable experience because it, it i've said this is home pretty much within a month of being here i feel it this is this is where i need to be uh, this is where i want to be but it's still been a funny uh bit of experiences just dealing with all of those fires and the other social stuff that's been going yeah. on around here it's just well well while people deal. think you know north carolina and, and california are in the same country they are, and I've been in North Carolina. I was actually there earlier this worlds. year. They are, they are completely different worlds. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an eye opening experience. Um, uh, we were in North Carolina in, uh, March actually, um, mm-hmm. right, right before the pandemic, a friend of mine passed away and we went out for, for, um, the memorial service and, uh, mm-hmm. to, deal, to deal with some of the, some of the things that had, um, needed to be dealt with. And uh, it, it's a completely different world. And I could not imagine. I, I feel for your wife, actually, at this point, because I wouldn't imagine mm-hmm. what it's like to actually have to move and leave the friends behind. And now you can't even, you know, that, oh, sure, we can just fly home. It's not that bad. Now you can't even, you know, really do that just for fun. You're yeah. kind of um, alone with what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. I, I, I remember when this all went down. Um because I got the message from Twit over a DM and I laughed it off and I told the missus, I said, I just got a message from Twit and I think they're bullshitting me, but I'm going to talk to them tomorrow. And sure enough, we did. We talked the next day and it was, it was legit, but I wanted to present it to the family and I told them straight up, look, I won't do this if this isn't something you all are 
all in with me because this is this is not just moving a couple hours away. I, I couldn't I was scared I wasn't going to be able to get that through their heads that we're not just moving to the next town or to the next state. We're moving to the to two different time zones away. You know, and yeah. I didn't think they understood the gravity of that until we actually got here and they started realizing it's a three hour difference in the time zone and the weather is totally different. I had on a hoodie, you know, earlier today, a freaking hoodie. It's July 1st and I got a hoodie on. <laughs> what is this place? You know, so it, it, it's, it's a different world, but I, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy to be with Twit because they 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 care and it's just a, a dream of a position for me to be in when people ask me you know how's it going working there and i tell them point blank i am working and living my dream doing what i do that's great that's great to hear <laughs> one thing i wanted to ask you was something that we we share mm-hmm. is we are both podcasters we we both create content and uh and we are i i consider us to be educators all three of us yep. one way or another yep. um how the, the transition i always find is that thing of when you do something you love something you en- you just enjoy doing mm-hmm. it it's it's different than when you maybe start writing about it uh-huh. so you then like start doing the blog but i think when you suddenly become a presenter when you're comfortable to be in front of camera say or or do audio i mean was that just an easy transition for you because I, I you know i'm looking at your your youtube account and you the first time i see you on camera is eight years ago mm-hmm. on youtube mm-hmm. you know, it's a load of family stuff mm-hmm. but uh, it always fascinates me that people are happy to step in front of the camera and be broadcasters because today you know we can broadcast instagram live facebook mm-hmm. live twitter live tiktok every you know everyone's on t- everyone's on like fake tv now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how did you just find that natural to to, to just do that uh, no sir <laughs> being an introvert <laughs> no sir not at all um but it was something that i felt i needed to do because of the questions that i was getting all the time uh, Aunt, how did you make that photo look this way? Aunt, how did you do this? And I, I just stopped responding to those comments because I couldn't keep up. Not that it was a ton, but it was more than what I wanted to keep up. So I just said, I'll just do, you know, tutorials and just step in front of the camera and just do a tutorial. The biggest problem that I had with, with all of it was hearing my voice. My voice just, just sounded, uh and it, it took a good year or so before I could accept hearing my voice over a microphone. Now I'm totally comfortable with it. Yeah, I remember that night you did, uh, I, it came up, Aunt Pruitt is live on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I jumped in on your feed, and you were doing some prep for a podcast, and you were explaining about how you do the adverts, you record oh, yeah. them, and, <laughs> uh, and, that, and that was really, I, I, stuff like that fascinates me, because I still consider myself to be uh, a novice me too because <laughs> you, you know we're, it, it's it's fun it's not it, this doesn't earn me money um you know we've had sponsors in the past but that's paid for the you know the arms and the mics right, and everything right. I, I do this because i love it and because it's a medium that i found myself most comfortable with i don't want to be on camera i, I i've said that many times mm-hmm. apart from like the first time i did kelby one classes um I, I was so conscious of of like I've got a twitch in the le- in my left eye mm-hmm. that's from a football accident mm-hmm. that being on camera made me feel uncomfortable, but I couldn't let it stop me from doing it. 
I like doing it. Um, and it was great that, you know, now I can't believe I've got six classes on Kelby One. Then when I had to stand up at Photoshop World and teach, it was the first thing I told the audience, like, oh, I've got this thing. Mm-hmm. I want you to know about it. Now I'm over it. I can do it. But you won't find any live feed of me on Instagram or on Facebook <laughs> or on Twitter or on TikTok or, or anything because it's not something I, f- even now at 54, I just don't feel that's, I'm I'm going to tell you straight well, up. I'm not ready for that. I'm going to tell you straight up. I I am never really thrilled to do it because it's I'm I'm really private. I mean, I, I I'm really really private. I think my social media says otherwise, but I'm seriously, I, I'm so private and I don't necessarily like to show my personal life. And the only reason I do those things on Instagram live or the Instagram stories is because the subscribers and listeners and followers or what have you, they've shared with me that they like the behind the scenes stuff. They get, Mm. they get something out of that. And so naturally as someone that's just wanting to share and teach and help people get better, I said, okay, I'll embrace it. I will, I will do more of this stuff behind the scenes and show you the corner of junk over there and show you the corner of junk behind me. But I'll also show you that I'm, doing an ad read and stumbling as I practice reading this ad because I I, I still feel like a, a total noob and a total novice at this stuff. And so I'm going to go at it and practice every single day as I should. And if I want you to see that I'm screwing up, I want you to see that I'm not perfect at this stuff, but I also want you to see that you could do this too, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think that's an important thing that happens a lot. We see a lot of videos. We see a lot of stuff online where it's like, here's a guy who creates something. And, and it, it could, I saw one the other day where some guy made an absolutely amazing table. He resin and this wood and he shaped and it like, and it was speeded up and it was done. And it was like, oh man, oh, I could do that. No, I can't. All right. That's, that, that guy's got training and skill and he does it. And I think we're, we're being shown a lot of that where people then try it and they get really frustrated and they get mm-hmm. dejected and they get, no, I can't do it. And, they, and it brings them down. And when you see someone who mm-hmm. goes out and goes, listen, I'm working on this and here's the behind the scenes, here's the flubs, here's the outtakes, here's a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, I think that resonates with people a lot more and it makes you a look like you're a real human being and not some kind of, you know, production monster where they're just putting yeah. out, you know, stuff and people or, can or relate. Yeah, because I also mm. try to preach to people do more with less, you know, because I didn't have all of this equipment that I have now um, 10 years ago. I, I'm serious when I said I bought one piece at a time. And so I had to sort mm. of learn how to make the most out of whatever I had, even to the computer that I use. I can remember running Ubuntu Linux or, or KDE Linux on my computer because I couldn't upgrade my computer because Windows was killing it. But if I ran Linux, my computer was functional, you know? So, I mean, I, it just, even stuff like that is just, you know, make the most out of what you have. You don't have to have the A7R Mark IV. You don't have to have the 5D Mark IV. Or you, you just, you can use your phone. I don't, and it doesn't even have to be the latest iPhone. You know, just nice. use what you have and try to make the most out of it. And, and I try to mention that in any of the behind the scenes stuff too. You know, I'll tell them, look, this is a cheap softbox right here. That softbox will cost you about 40 bucks, but nobody knows 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I try to do that in all the books that I wrote, especially the ones that are gear heavy, the, the Nikon flashbook. Yes, it's a Nikon flashbook, so it's going to have Nikon flashes in it. But here's Rogue Flashbender stuff that you can pick up yeah. for a couple of bucks. It does a fantastic job. Here's an off-brand yeah. softbox that did a, you know unbelievable job. You know, no, you can't see my tripod because it's held together with duct tape and <laughs> gaffer tape. You know, <laughs> I've had it for 20 years because it still works, you know. I mean, look at this here regarding tech. This is the Google Pixel 4 XL. OK, Uncle Leo Laporte bought this phone for me um, because it's just how he does. He's like, hey, we're a company tech company. We want you to have this so you can share your experiences, experiences with it um, to our listeners and viewers. And when they mentioned to buy this phone for me, I remember sitting in the meeting, he brought it up and I was like, I don't need it, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And he literally pulled my arm and he said, look, you need to just get that phone because this is, this is what you do now. You're going to talk about this kind of stuff. And I had to explain to him, I was was like, man, but this pixel two XL that I have, works really well <laughs> you know i could go out here and make some great photos there's a photo that i have out there now that is that that is a print that people have purchased that was shot with a pixel 2 xl you know wow. so i'm like i don't need that pixel 4 but i had to just you know get over that and i'm glad i have it but at the same time i'm still trying to tell people you don't need this one you can use that older no. model and, and get something. But out your of. but your wife's gone. Uh, that that too. You yeah. Know. What were you? No, it's usually the boys. <laughs> and the kids. Are, those hard yeah. boys. That's who ends up with that but stuff. The thing is, you you like you know like with Alan being an author is when you become that voice of authority, and like speaking to David McClellan mm-hmm. is when something comes out you'd be like one of those people i'd i'd be oh and what do you think of the new apple releases mm-hmm. what do you think of the new nikon or the new sony or whatever because i would see you as well you're in that mm-hmm. world where you kind of have to learn that mm-hmm. stuff and it is it is a constant learning pro- i'm so big on the whole you have to keep learning never like never stop learning because right. if you if you do you, you freeze and it's funny and i think that it's funny you mentioned that because yeah i do have a responsibility to the to the audience and I piss off a lot of the audience because I will tell them, stop buying all this expensive shit. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not worth it, you know, and I piss off people at Google or whatever when I tell them their phone costs way too much for what it's offering you. You know, it just, it's, but hey, I am who I am and you asked me a question, I'll answer it. <laughs> well, it's better to get an honest opinion than somebody being a fanboy of a brand and being no you need it because you should get it because it's because it is technology is expensive we this this week we were saying about you know back in the day when you worked in an office the equipment in your office was the most technological advanced stuff you would have seen now now we probably have personally more technology i know i do more (laughs) yeah than than the people than the office you worked in we've got faster broadband we've got better computers we've got you know an ecosystem of of everyone using technology it's, it's just you you gotta roll with it my, my last my last job in it before coming over here full-time with twit uh my laptop was it was a nice laptop i can't remember the brand it was nice but if i wanted to create some large uh psds not happening 
not not happening. <laughs> you know, it was good enough for me to 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 connect to an informant's database and stuff like that, but outside of that, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> my my trusty MacBook Pro, a 2011 MacBook mm. Pro, is still is while it can't run Mojave or Catalina, and it certainly won't run Big Sur. It still runs today's version of Creative yeah. Cloud, and that's why I stick with with like yeah. Apple Gear. That's you know. My, the stuff that I buy, I don't necessarily buy it because of a brand, but something like Apple. If if I look at enough people's content and I listen to all their opinions, mm-hmm. like you are better equipped to give me feedback on on something than than my opinion or what you know a friend of mine might say. Oh, Apple are crap. Apple expensive. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I like I like that people like you and Twit exist mm-hmm. because you get a, a balanced view on something, and you like you say it might not be for me yet. Mm-hmm. But I need to understand why I need it in the future, because then when I find myself outgrowing the technology I've got, mm-hmm. I know what to look for from what's now available. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They just go, oh, Apple, Apple 10. No, I- iPhone 11. <laughs> oh, iPhone 12. It's just kind of, we're, you know, a disposable society. Yeah. We're very quick to dispose of the things that we have. And it's like, this is a thousand pound phone. Isn't, isn't that crazy? crazy shouldn't be that much. thousand dollar 15 no. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know on the on the thing of phones i i've been watching other i i love cutting edge technology i don't buy it i just love reading about it and watching it mm-hmm. and i i do think the next round of phones are going to be cheaper because they're going to come without a power supply and earbuds <laughs> so <laughs> which, which i know is probably going to drive people crazy but i actually think it's at this point i don't need another power supply for a phone i have Right. seven of them going back six generations that i can find right. i mean there's probably another seven in the house that i can't find so honestly i don't need another power supply with my phone but it's, i thought it was very amusing you know it's like oh it's gonna it's gonna be in a smaller box that I, you know i'm like yeah but are they gonna drop the price by 72 dollars or not you know it's like <laughs> i don't know what i do know is that when i go and i yeah. listen to twit i'm not worried that i'm hearing an ad for any of the companies because mm-hmm. you guys are just giving me straight out information as opposed to an opinion not paid for opinion, which is a really mm-hmm. tough thing to find these days. So it yeah. is very hard. And I've been in that position with, especially on the writing side of things, uh, people would, the PR companies would, would just scour the, the different blogs and sites out there and say, Hey, here's somebody that writes for tech Republic. Let's pitch them this idea. And some of the times the pitches are pretty generic and say, Hey, this, this company's got this product. We'd love to send it to you and let you check it out in the story. Then there's others that will send you the products and say, Hey, make sure you mention ABCD and make sure you mention it by so-and-so date, so-and-so time. And I'm like, first off, I didn't even ask you to send me this, you know? That's like the phone. That's like the phone call from the bank. They ring you and ask you to prove who yeah. you are. It's like, hang on, you prove who you are. <laughs> it's crazy. You rang me. It's, it's such a racket. And I, and I get it that the companies are, are paying all of this uh, money for PR and marketing because that's, that's what you do. You try to get your name and your brand out there. But there's a right way and a wrong way about it. And, and I, I, there's so many people out there doing it wrong. So it's hard for a lot of journalists out there, especially nowadays when they're not making as much money that, you know, oh, some yeah. of them are sacrificing some of their, their, a bit of their morals every now and then. Mm. And 
fortunately, I haven't had to be in that position. Uh, I haven't been furloughed from work since I, since all of this happened. My my pay has been just fine. Uh, we are seeing a decrease in the downloads because that's what's happening in the podcast world. People mm-hmm. aren't driving yes, to work. Um, people just aren't and in the same pattern. more people are home, right. so they're creating podcasts. Right. So it's like a weird thing that they're not traveling, so they're not listening. Right. And because they're at home, they're like, well, might as well do, might a, as podcast, well do a podcast. Now, now every, every famous person now has mm-hmm. a podcast and they all interview each mm-hmm. other. That's, that's so true. <laughs> it's hard. That's exactly it's hard. what's happening. And I respect that um, because it, this is the type of uh, democratic society that we live in. We, we have the right to be able to just get out there and create things. Mm. But my only suggestion would be share the stuff that you love um, you know you have your show mm. share some of the people that that have inspired you to do what you're doing you know so when it when i listen to a podcast 99 percent of the time i will share that i'm listening to that podcast because i know the work that goes into it and i know how much it means from an analytics standpoint and just a business standpoint that hey sharing this content out with other creators is keeping them it's keeping them busy. It's keeping more gigs coming their way and more eyeballs. And it's just going to help grow the creative community. And that's one thing I say to people when we talk about sharing online is, look, I, I love I love that you like what I do. I, I love that if I post that I've just done an episode that you like it. Thank you. But if if I held, like I, I gave an example of my, some of my book, mm-hmm. If I hold my book up and go, hey, I've got this book. And my friend goes, cool. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> but if my friend goes, that's cool. Oh, do you know what? I need to, t- I work at this place. I'm going to tell all my friends about that book because I think that would be really useful. I always encourage people to just share. Don't be precious about your social media feed. Right. Don't be, oh, can I schedule it in? Well, I've just, you know, if you see something you like, share mm-hmm. it because a like that for me a like is a nice thing but it doesn't help mm-hmm. it doesn't help just share it and if you share it share it with a comment retweet with mm-hmm. comment or or share with a comment yep. why are you sharing it who is this why why do you want to share it with your audience mm-hmm. because that really especially now it really really helps mm-hmm. and it doesn't hurt anybody to do that extra click or a few more characters but like you say, there's a lot of people putting a lot of hard work into things, whether they're new or professionals. Mm-hmm. And I'm big on sharing. And I think that's a big part of probably why, like you said at the beginning, why people know mm-hmm. me is because I, I like to give. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm British. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't go. Hey, we're the best. We're like, oh, can I help? Hello, sir. Can I help you? <laughs> so, so it's a, it's we, we're not. You know, I said that when the first time I came to America, I went to watch the film Ransom with Mel Gibson. I wasn't with Mel Gibson. It was, it was <laughs> Ransom with Mel Name Gibson. Name dropper. And at the end of the... Yeah, me and Mel were sat there. I was like, Mel, stop saying those things. It's inappropriate. But, <laughs> but the film finished and everybody stood up and applauded. And I'm I'm sat there Brit or British being, he can't hear <laughs> I'd never experienced it. I did Photoshop World. I, I did a tip, an InDesign mm-hmm. tip. I got a round of applause. You know, it's, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I always encourage people, just please share. Don't be precious yeah. about your social media. Don't be, don't worry about, oh, why did someone share that? You've got a reason for doing oh, it. Oh, my goodness. And in this industry, friendships and 
collaboration as well you know you, you start to strike up things you know i i love that my circle of friends i've seen grown mm-hmm. over the past couple of years and, and creating content and trying different things and being involved and i'm so blessed i get to go to events and meet mm-hmm. them as Same well and catch up with them and see I, th- because that this- whole social media thing i've i've seen all of the different strategies and and guides and stuff like that and I started to get into it and said, okay, maybe I could try it because I'm trying to build my brand up and and this and that. And it eventually just fell by the wayside. I am probably the worst when it comes to social media because I don't do anything by the book. If you, you know, like if you look at, look at my Instagram, uh, the photos that you'll see are not all of the same type of style, you know, because, I like to shoot a lot of different things. Yes, street photography is probably my favorite thing to shoot, but I actually like landscapes. I actually like portraits too. You know, I actually like just still life. It's so I'm going to put out there whatever the heck I like to shoot because it's my freaking feed. You know, so that's what I'll put there, and I'm not going to color grade it the same way as all the other ones. Even though you probably should, because it's aesthetically pleasing. If someone looks at your profile and all that bullshit, and (laughs) and I'm like, no, it's whatever. This is mine. This is it's. it's, I'm presenting to you who I am because I consider myself what's the phrase a jack of all trades and a master of none. I'm pretty good at a lot of different things, but I'm not a master at anything. No, I. I'm glad I'm not a master at anything. I, I like the fact that things keep changing and I've got the mental state yeah. to want to keep learning as it as it happens. I just think it's funny that in a year's time, when the world starts getting used to however it's going to be, mm-hmm. that you know we'll still be doing our thing, hopefully. We, yeah. you know, life will start to open up but you'll get people going in for jobs right. and they'll be uh, so i have your resume here uh, mr clayton so let's just have a look at this so you went to school between these mm-hmm. years um just one bit here i want to ask you about your qualifications uh tiktok famous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're an expert in in lip syncing uh, in repetitive dancing and uh and creative editing oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and, and and dancing and, uh, king. <laughs> yeah and uh, who's carol baskin <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny it's like such a such a weird thing though with social media in fact let's let's jump on to uh one of the features that we mm-hmm. do because the fact that you are a listener and i appreciate it and i know you always share that you're listening to us and you always <laughs> such the probably our most kindest <laughs> listener i don't like the word fan because i i i i'm a fan i i i have (laughs) no qualms with saying i'm a fan it's the same way with twit i tell twit uh listeners that heck i've even told the boss it was um on a previous recording that we were doing he was mentioning something and i had to correct him during the show i was like no so-and-so said it he's like what yeah you listen to the shows don't you i'm like well yeah, because before coming to Twit, I was a fan, you know, and I'm still a fan. So that's not going to change. So Aww. right here with He Shoots, He Draws, I'm a freaking fan, you know. I <laughs> well, you, you are number one. <laughs> um, so let's do a feature that you know that we do on the show. Let's do our, Let's do the loves and loves. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so what puts a smile on your face about what you do? What's your what's your love? The thing that you tell people, oh man, this is just the best thing. Apart from listening to our podcast. 
<laughs> what puts a smile on my face? Okay, well, uh, during my show, I always tell people that they can follow me on social media or they can shoot an email to how uh, uh, hop at twit.tv or for my other show, how at twit.tv if they have questions, feedback, and things like that. And the hands-on photography show, that email, it gets a good amount of emails coming through. And it's because people are wanting to have their images critiqued or they just want to give me some feedback. But most of the time it's critiques or just a question about a camera and things like that. And what makes me smile is the fact that I know some, I know somebody's listening. At least one person is listening and it's not my mother. So that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they are trusting me with, um, you know, with their questions, you know, or trusting me with my opinions on a shot that they took. Uh, I will do an image critique show, you know, and I'm, and I'll be bold and, and, and brutally honest at times because that's, I think that's what it takes with, uh, with this craft because you, you can't always have someone telling you your shot looks great and it doesn't look great. You know, I'll just, just let them know, Hey, you could improve here. You can improve there. You did well here, but you can improve there. And I try to present that on the show each week. And so, yeah, what I love is getting that feedback from in someone saying, Hey, I love your show. Can you take a look at this image for me and tell me what you think? You know, cause I'm thinking, damn, they're asking me of all people, yeah. you know, or when I do something on my, on my personal channel, on my YouTube channel or on my blog and people say, man, I, I had no idea how to get rid of plosives in, in audio, you know, and all it is, is just one little filter inside of Adobe audition. When people don't have these magical pop filters on their mic, you yeah. know, there's a filter in audition that'll get rid of it within about three clicks, you know, just little stuff like that. Just, it makes me smile. When I see that. <laughs> Oh, cool. I know when we get feedback on the podcast and when I look at the stats, it's like, there are people listening to us in 150 Ain't different that crazy? <laughs> so I just assume it's you guys. I just like see the figures and I know like I like each episode to hit a specific mm-hmm. number, which means people are still mm-hmm, listening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you start to drill down to it, you think, wow, there are people listening who only know me because of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I've got to be careful because <laughs> I just assume I just assume it's my mates. So what's what's the flip side to that then? Ant? What's uh, not not necessarily the like I hate this or I loathe this, but what kind of do you wish could change or would you would change about the industry that we're in or about the role that you do? Um, and yeah, it's definitely a loathe, and it's just the people that are. <sighs> They're so nitpicky and just just brutally mean and rude to the other people in the industry. Um, when I got started with this, I didn't have any help. Uh, I went to the local photographers to try to get some tips and tricks, and they all just sort of poo-pooed me because I didn't have this lens. I didn't have this camera. You know, All I had was a freaking phone and that little point-and-shoot. And I, I hated that. And when you look at today where everything is virtual and online, I go to a website. I'm not going to say it here, but I'll go to a, a website that's talking about photography. Read the article where someone is sharing a little tutorial that they wrote up and you go to the comments and every single one of them are talking about, well, I would have done it this way. 
or I would have done it that way. Um, or you probably should have used a prime lens because a prime lens is going to give you a better compression and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I'm like, why not just, just give, give the people their kudos? Why not just say, you know what? Thank you for sharing this because you probably helped somebody that's just getting started. Shut the hell up with all of your high horse bullshit and just say, look, this article wasn't for me. Thank you for writing it because it's probably helping somebody else out. I mean, the photography community are full of freaking jerks. And I hate that. I absolutely hate that. There's people like you, Mr. Hess, that, and, and Mr. Dewis that are just freaking gems and, and just just are more than happy to share how they're doing this and more than happy to say, you know what? You could improve right here. Let me show you how you can improve right here. And they won't think twice about it, you know, but uh, there's everybody else out there that's just, nah, I only shoot raw. Nah, I only shoot Fuji. Nah, I only shoot Canon. And none of that matters. <laughs> no, no. I remember Glenn did a, a, a tutorial once and he did the, I mean bearing in mind he he puts out a lot of free content yeah. and that's been one of the things that I think has helped Glenn's stature in, in this industry mm-hmm. is he was just putting out the sharing 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 content mm-hmm. and I remember he did this photoshop technique one day and, and it was really good and he put it out for free and a guy wrote in and complained about the way he says Gauss seriously yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's just like I can't listen to your stuff you don't say Gaussian it's like, really, d- d- mate just oh that kind of it's funny because we interviewed how pinsky last night he had exactly the same thing he says i don't get why people have to browbeat and be so down on someone else's opinion why can't you know it's okay for us to have our own opinion use the gear we want to gear why why do you feel you need to convince mm-hmm. me because he said we don't do it with cars right. <laughs> we, we, we don't do it with clothes yeah why are you wearing <laughs> levi jeans wranglers are so much better why are you driving yeah it's so, it's so weird that in technology mm-hmm. You, it it breeds this kind of person that acts, that has to be so snobby and horrible and unhelpful and it's just how really that made their day. It, yeah. What kind of day are they? What kind of person are they that that moment do it being that critical made them feel better? What does that say it, about it, that kind of it person? It drives me nuts. And don't get me wrong, I love the technology, and if I could afford to buy X camera or Y camera or what have you. I'll buy it because it's something that I can actually use and it's, you know, supposed to be, you know, something that's going to be helpful. I'll buy it. Yeah, it's fit for purpose. And that's why I'll buy it. I'm not buying it to show off or just because the status quo says I'm supposed to buy that right now. A prime example, um, this here, this is my primary camera. This is the Canon 6D Mark II, not the 5D Mark IV, the 6D Mark II. I didn't want to get the 5D Mark IV because I like a flip out screen. I like a very screen because of the way I like to shoot. 5D Mark IV is a air quotes, better camera. You know, I don't give a shit. It's not going to help me shoot. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a better camera for you. Right. So I, I, I love this camera and nobody asks what camera I'm shooting with. You know, when they order the prints, they don't care what I'm shooting with. This is the eight plus. Right. I've 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 skipped two versions of iPhone because it still, still works. It still does what I need it yeah, to do. It still works. Of course, I, I I want I like the new camera on it, but it's it's only because it's well I'll upgrade eventually because it's like, like three mm-hmm. years and but I don't feel 
like a you know like i said my laptop's 2011 mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it is like you know you when you've got kids and a mortgage and right. stuff you can't go blowing three grand right. on a laptop right. and, and six grand on a camera just because right. Because you never sell the old nope. No, <laughs> no, I, 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 I have a closet full of <laughs> full of cameras. It's not because I, I wouldn't sell it. It's that by the time I've bought it and used it, a it looks like it's been through hell and back, and b mm-hmm. it's gotten more value anymore because most of them are like fifteen years old. I keep my gear right. until I literally can't use it anymore until it no longer does what I need it to do. Um, yep. Earlier, uh, oh man, last year, uh, Nikon sent me a, a Z6 to use for a month, oh, nice. just to just to kind of see if I, and I, after I used it for a month, I sent it back. Well, I had to send it back because otherwise mm-hmm. they charge me. Um, right. And people were like, oh, well, did you go buy one? No. Why not? Well, because it turned out that the cameras I have did as good a job as that one. There was nothing it yeah. was going to give me that made like. Uh, I couldn't do anything newer or better mm-hmm. or nothing. It was gonna, so I was not going to spend a couple of thousand dollars on a new camera when the stuff I had actually still worked. And no mm-hmm. one asks me mm-hmm. what my well, some people do, and usually the same people ask me what my settings were, um, mm-hmm. what my camera is, what it is. Now I'll I'll discuss focal lengths, I'll discuss apertures because that's the art right. of what I'm trying to capture. But it doesn't right. matter if that's, it's that's on the body, yeah. Um, but I. I I got to tell you something. There's, there's two things that struck me in the last little bit of conversation. The first one was my first teaching experience at um, Photoshop World. We got all the reviews back afterwards. And someone took the time to write a review of my speaking. And <laughs> their comment was that my voice was too deep. <laughs> and it, bother, it bothers me to this day. I still think of that comment because I can change everything about me. I, I can do whatever i cannot change my voice it's this is my voice so complaining <laughs> about my voice is really one of it's something that can never change it's never going to change so but he does come out now when now he's been on the podcast i go uh, and i'm joined by alan hesting yeah, but it, it struck to me and this is this is going back more than 10 years and it's still in my head that when i'm it's wow. my voice really sound too deep to, like how do i fix that and and then the other one was after I wrote a f- couple of books, I started looking at those Amazon reviews, which mm-hmm. you got to do because you get feedback. But on yep. a book I wrote about an iPad, I got a review that said the, the book was too simple, followed directly by a review that said the book was too complicated. Oh, boy. And at that point, I gave up. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't because you literally can't please all the people. I just tried right. and I got... I got told that it's too simple and too complicated at the same time. <laughs> Both ends of the spectrum. Both ends. So while I while I love feedback and I love, I also have to take everything that I get told with a little bit of pinch of salt. You know, a little yeah, bit like eh, it's it's their opinion. I've seen that too. I've seen it more here recently because my audience has grown. But I I, I always sort of tell myself. Um, just keep doing what you do and just try to reach one person. And if I can reach that one person, hopefully that one person is going to tell somebody else. And then it just sort of spawn from there. And that's, that's just a way of me just trying to keep myself grounded and not sort of lose my mind over the con over the comment section, because the comment section can really, really pump you up or it can really, really bring you down. You know, it's just finding that, that happy median, if you will. 
Yeah, just I I've read some of my reviews and I just think I'm going to respond to every single one, kill them with kindness. But luckily they've been quite nice mm-hmm. so far, mm-hmm. so <laughs> so it's been good. Um, right, Anne, we've we've been talking a long time and I'm I'm keeping all of this. Because <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Oh man, I feel but sorry I just for your finish... listeners. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, there, I, I've, I'm at the point now where I'm putting out the conversations. If you choose not to listen to it, then it's not for you. It's like I enjoy, I enjoy recording it. I get to talk to you. I get to talk to Alan. I get to talk to my friends overseas at the moment. They're more available than they used to be, so they can never give me the excuse I'm too busy. I'm like, busy what? Got busy em, doing what? Um, what's? I know this is the hardest question because somebody did post on Twitter and it made me laugh yesterday. And it said, "Listen, anyone who sat in an interview and was asked where do you see yourself in five years, <laughs> they found themselves that they've all lied." <laughs> um, obviously, the next you know it's been a, a weird six months to 2020 and we've probably got more of the same for the next six yeah. months but do you have any do you have any kind of goals or plans at the moment that you'd like to see fulfilled over the next couple of years maybe G- given a sense of normality that you're able to do those achieve those goals my goals are pretty much uh, oriented around the production of my shows and just building that audience um, I have goals of trying to make things even more efficient for me um, when I come in here to sit down and create the content whether it's something on a personal project or whether it's something for twit I every day I wake up how can I make this more efficient how can I make it uh, even better for the viewers and the listeners. So yeah, my goals right now are all just geared around what can I do to make this home studio better? What can I do, um, to make my shots, uh, for the shows different. And I've been experimenting with some things is a couple episodes back. I want to say episode 33 or something like that, where I didn't shoot in here. I took a lot of my gear from here down to my living room and did multicam shots because I wanted it to be a little bit more dynamic for the people trying to learn. And I want to just expand on that exponentially to make it a better learning experience because I, I, I feel like I owe the community because I've learned so much over the years from, from people like you and, and, and Mr. Hess and, and Mr. Dewis. And I just, I, I feel indebted. So I'm like, okay, I need to give back and how can I give back, you know, tenfold if you will so that's my goal that's so good to hear as well (laughs) that you still have that you've still kind of got to this level where you're at but you still feel grounded enough to know that (laughs) you want to be better and give more because it's so refreshing to hear it as well because it's just you get a lot of people who are i'm the best i'm the greatest i I want to dominate the space i'm not going to deny that i do want to dominate the space but at the same time i know that i can't dominate the space without learning you know i I gotta learn to get better and continue to just grow on this craft and then once i get better share what i've learned with everybody else because i want them to get better too oh that's (laughs) great well I'm going to I'm going to say thank thank you so much Anne it's been an absolute I've been sat here grinning the whole time it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and I've been looking forward to this since we agreed the pleasure is all mine again I'm a fan I'm a fan I'm I'm, I'm I'm sitting here uh, behind the mic on a podcast that I'm a fan of imagine how I'm feeling come on now 
<laughs> well, we I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I it, it's been it's been an interesting two and a half years. I have mm-hmm. to say it's been good being able to speak to people I admire, people I've never mm-hmm. met, uh, a, a, a hell of a lot of friends that I've got to know through the industry, mm-hmm. and and it is lovely when you can sit down and. and talk about it and record it and put it out for other people to listen Mm -hmm. to because sometimes the episodes you expect to get great numbers uh just just don't resonate and then you get episodes that you think well i i i kind of expect this to be a lower number Mm -hmm. one and then it just like blasts other people out of the water and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> so thank you for being a guest i'll put all the links to twitter and your channel and, and everything that you want on thank you um, for people to to direct and look at and let's get you some more numbers on the podcast thank you, thank and, you so much Let, let's let's add to your brand because you are truly one of the nicest gentlemen i've ever met in this damn industry. it you're gonna make me blush and it's, a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's a pleasure to call you a friend but obviously Likewise. you are wearing the red <laughs> shirt of star trek so this is all ah. end badly <laughs> so i'm gonna say thank you alan again for stepping oh, in and my being pleasure. a co-host uh, you, you you always make it such a such an easy experience for me and I, I i just appreciate everyone's time and everyone listening as well thanks for sticking with this one and uh and we'll see hopefully see you next year somehow somewhere hey, ho- ho- and, hey uh, if i'm gonna be on the show again it's supposed to be in person right oh yeah <laughs> is it yeah yeah Tri- absolutely <laughs> that is the rule if we meet you're on the podcast and i and i can say this in this episode because i know by the time it comes out <laughs> I, it's something I'll be able to talk uh-huh. about. I did say it last night to Howard because I know it's going to be out. But I'm actually going to be a speaker at Adobe Max Online. Oh, really? Yeah. My first, although it's like not in person. That's awesome. It's, uh, I'm doing an InDesign class. So I'm well, well pleased about That's that. That's awesome. So, uh, so hopefully next year, if Adobe Max is the first time we see each other, um, I hope we have lots of communication between Indeed, now and then. Indeed, brother. Okay. Definitely. Cool. And uh, so thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, right. see you soon. And see you. Thank you. See you.
Perfect. So yeah, I we did an interview yesterday with Howard Pinsky, Adobe, mm-hmm. and I had a sheet of paper full of notes. Okay, today. <laughs> I don't need no notes because I just need to know stuff I want to ask you and I know you have all the answers <laughs> I don't know about all that oh crap yeah <laughs> um, so yeah all I do is I'll just do like a, an introduction to you I'll do, I'll do a preamble at, uh, later I'll do an intro to the actual episode itself Yeah. so for this one I'll just do a brief intro I'll introduce Alan and then you and then we just have a little bit of a chat how you doing and how's life at the moment and then i'm gonna ask you right like we, we, we've obviously met at max mm-hmm. but i don't know too much about you so mm-hmm. tell us about like the first 20 years of your life <laughs> who did Aunt Prue want to be when you was growing up <laughs> and then we'll just go through the evolution of technology okay with, alongside your career and, and talk about I want you to talk as much about tech and what you love and you know because I've watched some of your videos there's the one on YouTube talking about creative block and keeping creative I don't really want to do a whole hour of like this is your life and for it like tell us every single thing that happened to you I want to, I want, I want to talk about tech with you I want to talk about cool stuff as well mm-hmm. things that you excel at so don't feel free to <laughs> to go short on answers don't be economical all right this is this is this is the ant pruitt show as far as i'm concerned excel at something we've, oh my gosh we've got royalty tonight i want to make the most of it <laughs> royalty is over there <laughs> right let's go <clears throat> ready <laughs> <laughs> 